guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to Persistent Broads, where we sound off on the news, politics, and culture affecting women across the state, country, and beyond. This week, we have a very special guest joining us. She is a Smith College graduate, just like Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan. How did we even manage to book her? Because she's your sister, Emily. (laughs) I'm so well connected. (laughs) we are and clearly Anna is very smart because she majored in the study of women and gender Um, so we are so excited to have you here Anna Um, also in case you have forgotten who who you normally host the show I'm Lauren and and I'm Emily (laughs) just to make it abundantly clear Anna hello why don't you why don't you introduce yourself to our like eight listeners. <laughs> All right, I will introduce myself. I am Anna Holly, Emily's younger sister. Um, let's see. I don't know what there is to say. And the only um, sister I have. Really? really? Yes. It's just it's, the two of us. It's just the two of us. Um, let's see. I grew, grew up in Iowa with Emily, um, and I ended up going to Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts, along with, well, not at the same time, obviously, with Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan. Um and now I reside with my partner and two dogs um, in Northampton, and I am working on a master's in social work, also from Smith College. Just can't get enough. Can't get enough. Um, yeah, it sounds like I, a cool place. It's a yeah. You all should visit. Everyone should visit. Um, it's we a should cool do a persistent broads episode from Lake Smith College. That would be super cool. Yes, yes. In Northampton, it's it's also known as the lesbian capital of the the world. So I highly recommend. It's a it's a very cool spot. Also, there's um, the terrarium yeah. shop. There is a nice terrarium. Uh, pr- Lesbians and plants. What more could you want? <laughs> They go hand in hand. That should really be the new like Northampton like tagline. Northampton, lesbians and plants. What more could you want? <laughs> That's absolutely correct. I, I I should be on the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> do it. Do it. Um, I don't know what else is there to say. When I was in college, I was really active in the reproductive justice movement, uh, worked alongside Loretta Ross. Um, I actually had the privilege of being on a panel with Gloria Steinem. Um, so yeah, this is, this is definitely a topic near and dear to my heart. So I'm happy to be here. And being on Persistent Broads is the ultimate thrill of your lifetime. It really is. It really is. I thought so. (laughs) I'm really glad that I could give you this opportunity. You know, I'm so grateful to you, Emily. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I hope it makes up for all the horrible things I did to you growing up. (laughs) A little bit, but not, not really. No. You have a lot of years to work through all of that. Me too. I'm still expecting reparations. Work on that. (laughs) So, ladies, broads, quarantine life, what's everyone reading, watching, podcasts you're enjoying? Um, Has anyone had any weird quarantine dreams? Have you bought anything unusual in quarantine? I did have a weird dream last night that I was at a Joe Biden rally and an organizer took my phone away and then dropped it underneath some bleachers and I couldn't get it back. And it was very upsetting. Um, I know. Um, But (laughs) other than that, I have been reading. um, I just finished uh, the Gloria Steinem 
outrageous acts and everyday rebellions uh just in time for this podcast and i'm yeah it was very good i got to read all about some stuff we'll get to talk about later um i also bought a nintendo switch just for the express purpose of playing animal crossing and i've got a nice setup now where i can listen to binge mode and play my game during it because it's kind of like the game is not so much like required on you need to pay full attention so I've been listening to Game of Thrones recaps while playing uh, this really nice, calming uh, little animal game where you catch butterflies <laughs> and you you plant flowers. It's really nice. Are you just gonna skip? Are you just gonna skip the last season of Game of Thrones? Oh, I've already seen it. Well, yeah, I know, I, but are you gonna like listen to them like talk about it on binge mode, or did they skip it because it was so horrible? They did. I that's how I got into it. That's how I got into listening to it last year was because I wanted to hear about what I had missed, and so this seemed like a much easier way of doing that. Uh, and then uh, I don't think I've listened actually to the episode where they talk about the finale, but I have feelings about the finale so oh, i think the whole world has feelings about that monstrosity they just they just they let us down i was not pleased with it also, also they, they could have, have had, had two more episodes like they were gonna no it's like they were fully able to have two more episodes they rushed right to the end and i don't know they didn't have to i don't know why they did that because they wanted to get started on their netflix series or whatever or whatever uh Whatever streaming series gave them money to do other things. Maybe this time next year we'll have a Netflix series. You don't know. You never know. <laughs> what happened? Full disclosure. Full disclosure. I've actually never seen Game of Thrones. It's worth watching. Okay. Like it's okay. Is that okay? It's okay. <laughs> um, it's a really good show up until the last season. Okay, good to know. It's it's Fully worth noted. seeing. Um. Everybody, I'm sure everybody has seen there's going to be a new one-time-only Parks and Rec episode coming out that has something to do with the virus and quarantine. So that's, that's really exciting. exciting. I yeah. would trust, trust Leslie, Leslie Nope over Kim Reynolds, Reynolds oh, to do anything. anything. Any day now. I would, trust <laughs> Leslie, I would trust Leslie Nope more than most people in government today. So, yeah. Um, that's super exciting. Um, I got a message from a friend of mine that the pygmy goat herd at the London Zoo is lonely. Oh, because no. they're not the zoo's closed, so they're not getting visitors. So the zookeepers are having to spend extra time with the goats, and that uh, is when I had the epiphany that I am definitely in the wrong career because <laughs> I I could be one of those um like goat cuddlers. Like I just you could, you could be, be a goat, goat snuggler. snuggler. I know. I want to go to the zoo and just, I would go live with the pygmy goats. They would accept me as one of their own. (laughs) And, um, yeah. So I, I just, I felt so sad for the goats. So as soon as the London zoo reopens, I hope those goats get the attention that they are craving. Or goats. They, they so, so clearly, clearly deserve. deserve. They right? really do. They're so cute. They're so cute. They're just there like goat knit up. You they know? are. They're adorable. It's great. Um, Anna, what have you been up to in quarantine? Uh, well, I've not put on real pants in six weeks. Nice. Um, been working on a, a vegetable garden. It's not going well. Um, and let's see. I've been watching a lot of Schitt's Creek. So um, Schitt's Creek. I love Schitt's Creek. I guess so they're, 
they just finished filming their last season, which is very sad. Moira, man, she is everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I've also been reading Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, oh, I've heard of that. It was on It was on Reese Witherspoon's book club. Was it? Okay. Reese Witherspoon it's, has a book club? Yes, it's the Hello does. Sunshine <gasps> book club. She does. I highly recommend it. It's a good, it's a really good read. Um, yeah, that, that's about it. My partner's really been into reality television lately, so my brain's a little mushy. Um, but, you know, it's all right. It's all right. So you've also seen Love is Blind? I have seen Love is Blind, of course. I think I told you about Love is Blind. <laughs> we might have to do just a whole separate episode on, on Love is Blind, because yikes. Just yeah. yikes. Um, and yet I want another season. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure they'll probably make another season once, quarant- once you know, everybody's out of quarantine. True. Because, I mean, I just, that just seems like the most efficient way to meet your soulmate. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Uh, um, sure. Lauren, we've been tracking Wellington the Penguin at the Shut Aquarium. He's been very busy. He has. He actually shot a PSA with uh, Governor Pritzker about how far away to stay from each other. It's very cute. I don't. We will link it in the show notes. Um, like, what would the governor do without Wellington's help? You know, I hope Wellington um, got some extra fish that night. Uh, he's a very good penguin. He went. Uh, he's been all around the aquarium, visiting all of the other creatures, and learning a lot about um, about water creatures. And the environment, so good job, Wellington. Um, he is a rock hopper penguin, so he kind of like hops around. It's great. He's got a beautiful mullet. He does, and I'm very excited to go visit him when quarantine is over. Um, I think he and I would be famous friends, and I would like to buy a, a coffee mug with Wellington's face on it. I would drink the, out of it every the day. March, the merch possibilities for Wellington endless. are going to be endless. Endless. <laughs> um, I have been listening to Fiona Apple's new album. She just came out with a new album. It's great. Um, That's so 90s of you. I know. Well, I miss the 90s, and our listeners, yes. all eight of them, know that I do miss the 90s. And so uh, the, It was a simpler time. It was, and that, that Fiona Apple album... Just a nice harken back to the 90s. So it's great. Um, I highly recommend people check it out. So that's what um, that's what we've been up to um, here. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we've been doing at my house. Greg made a really good risotto last weekend. So we've been trying to eat yummy food and make yummy food. Um, I tried to make pre- soft pretzels and I ran out of salt and flour. But you oh, no. tried. I tried, and they turned out not bad. I just have no flour now or salt. <laughs> as uh, as Prue would say, is are they worth the calories? I mean, I ate all of them, so yes. So yes, there you go. <laughs> God, see, that's the most important thing is in baking. Is it worth the calories? Also, no soggy bottoms. You know. So should we get into this episode? This this episode of Mrs. America was about Gloria Steinem. So. Woo! I know we we love Gloria Steinem. Um, Anna, would you like to tell us a little bit about Gloria Steinem as our honored guest? Absolutely. Um, so I have a little bit of a history for you, and I highly recommend um, watching the HBO documentary uh, Gloria in her own words. Um, 
has it gives a really I don't know it's just it's really great I watched it last night and I was like oh so good um I might have to watch that tonight I didn't even know that was a thing yes yes highly recommend um so Gloria is a fellow Midwesterner she was born in Toledo Ohio in 1934 um like I mentioned earlier she attended Smith College um and majored in government and graduated in 1956. Um, she then spent two years in India doing research um, and became really interested in grassroots activism. Um, I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about her journalism career. Um, she, uh, when she came back from India, she found it really difficult to get serious reporting assignments. She was really into politics. Um, but at the time, obviously, women were more stuck in secretarial positions. Um, and so her first pieces were actually largely women's lifestyle piece, pieces talking about, like, textured stockings and such. Um, hey, that's hard news. <laughs> it's hard news. She describes it as sort of a low point. Like, how else <laughs> are you going to know if what the difference is between textured and non-textured stockings and the effect they'll have on, on your legs? I know. It's hard I news. Know. It's hard news. Um, in 1963, Show Magazine actually hired uh, Gloria to go undercover as a Playboy bunny. Um, and um, she sort of in, unveiled in an expose the sexist and kind of all-around awful working conditions at Hugh Hefner's Playboy Club. Um, I'm shocked. I'm shocked yes. at that revelation. I there know, right? There is an right? excellent Drunk History episode about this if you're not willing to go read it on your own. Uh, but <laughs> there's Abby also, Jacobson plays Gloria Steinem. It's really good. There's also, awesome. an, episode, there's also an episode of Mad Men where like they go to the Playboy Bunny club and one of the new partners, I want to say this is in like season five. I don't remember, but Lane Price actually falls in love with a black Playboy Bunny and oh. almost leaves his wife for her. Wow. I know. So play, so the Playboy, like the, the Bunny Club was quite the place in the 60s. Yeah. Yep. So she did find after um, doing this expose that people took her even less seriously than before um, as a journalist. Um, and she regretted for a long time doing the expose. Um, however, um, she ended up realizing that it kind of helped her career, particularly within the feminist movement. So in 1969, um, working for the New York Magazine, Gloria actually covered a hearing on abortion rights in New York, um, where she listened to women testifying about the plight of illegal abortions, um, something that she had experience with. She had an abortion right out of college at age 22 um, while she was abroad. Um, she realized sort of in this moment, um, knowing that one in three women have had an abortion, um, you know, something that many of whom had risked their lives for. And yet she realized nobody was talking about this. Uh, so this moment was really a substantial marker in her life and a moment where she sort of honed her feminist consciousness um, and became more and more active in the women's movement. Um, she became super frustrated, however, that she couldn't publish anything about the movement. Um, and so Gloria and black feminist icon uh, Dorothy Pittman Hughes began doing public speaking events to discuss uh, women's issues. 
Um, so in response to the fact that there were no publications at this time controlled by women, um, in 1971, uh, she and f- uh, fellow feminists founded Ms. Magazine, um, which covered progressive social issues impacting women's lives as well as um, the women's movement more generally. Um, it was really the persistent broads of its time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could say that. Um, I did so, say that. Yeah. yeah, I went there. You heard it. You heard it here first, you heard, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> so, uh, Ms. Magazine actually debuted in an insert in New York Magazine, but became independent in 1972. Um, so in 1972, Steinem, feminists including Betty Friedan, Congresswoman Bella Abzug, and Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm um, established the National Women's Political Caucus, which um, we will talk about. Um, so more generally speaking, Gloria Steinem has co-founded numerous organizations focused on gender equality, um, focused on empowering young girls, and has authored many books. Um I think something notable to, to mention is that, you know, she really ascribes much of the success of the feminist movements to uh, women of color, um, you know, including, which is you know, really cool, really, really cool and, and important and, I mean, and true, like just, so true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of a, a brief history of Gloria Steinem. She's amazing. She is amazing. She's amazing. And someday, I mean, I know you have to be dead to have your face on a stamp, but uh, Gloria will be with us for a long, long time, but but hopefully one day, I hope that her face is on a stamp. Do you really have to be dead to have your face on a stamp? You do. Our dad, oh. our dad is an avid stamp collector. He is. Shout out, Shout out to Bob. Should we talk about this episode, Broads? Let's, Let's do, it. do it. Okay, so we open. Um, it is 1972, and eight out of the 38 states needed have ratified the ERA, and I love that they open with Peachlaff. Doing sit-ups, but not only is she doing sit-ups, she's like her hair's up and done. I'm pretty sure she's wearing earrings. She's wearing a dress. Yeah, and she's doing sit-ups during a Fresca commercial, which Fresca (laughs) does not get enough credit. Like, I love a good Fresca along with (laughs) Lyndon Johnson. I'm a big Fresca fan, so Fresca for all. It was a great commercial, though. It was a great commercial, but I just... I just think that that's great. Like, what a cool way to open the episode. Um, so she's doing sit-ups when one of her Schlafleyites calls. Uh, Anne. Yeah, Anne, Anne calls. in Oklahoma, who is super excited because they defeated the ERA in Oklahoma, which, duh. <laughs> um, Even P. Schlaff is like, well, yeah, it's Oklahoma. Well, yeah, it's Oklahoma. <laughs> but she's, but this Schlafleyite is all fired up because of her, you know, the, the Schlafly newsletter of hate that goes out and um she, she wants... apparently passed it out to all the legislators and that's how she got it to she got to defeat the era and i'm like i feel like you were really shooting fish in a barrel with that though I right mean... i don't feel like that was a particularly heavy lift but um she, she thought wants... so she did and she was very proud of her work so i suppose you know Yay. But she wants P. Schlaff's mailing list and she wants to do more to defeat the ERA. And um, P. Schlaff is is feeling a little, you know, little ownership of that list. Yeah, she's not having it. She's not having it. She's not having it. And so Fred Schlafly tells P. Schlaff that she'd, you know, like best get on it before this this uh, the ERA is ratified in their home state of Illinois. And my favorite quote of the episode is he says... No one likes feminists, 
Not even liberals. Ha ha ha. No one likes feminists. Ha ha ha. Lauren, can we add that to the drinking game, please? Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the Illinois, uh, the, I'm my hometown is it I, is from I'm from Illinois, and I did not realize that Illinois did not ratify the ERA until 2018. Which, I mean, I think a lot of us think of Illinois being like a fairly liberal state, considering that Chicago is such a big deal. But 2018 is, that was, I mean, like it feels like March feels like it was a million years ago, but. It does. 2018 is so recent. And I'm sure that we're going to learn more about how Pishlaf made it so that it wasn't ratified before the time that was allotted but well Pishlaf was dead by the time it was actually ratified in illinois which is yeah. in, which is interesting mm-hmm. you know that's that's something of note because Pishlaf died in uh 2016 yeah but uh iowa actually ratified in march of 1972 being ahead of the curve there iowa wow. iowa is oddly ahead of the curve with a lot of things you wouldn't expect and then, it and then not a, a lot and of not. things <laughs> And then not like right now, we're not even flattening the curve. We're going to we're going to increase the hell out of that curve. <laughs> Iowa listeners know what I'm talking about here. Got to have those horse auctions and the speedway. <laughs> so then we we joined Gloria Steinem at the very trendy Guggenheim Museum in New York City. And uh, I believe this is like a this is a party for the first issue of Ms. Magazine. I think it's their launch party or something like that, which like I feel like launch parties at the Guggenheim are not the norm. Like. Not the norm. Um, but it looks really fancy and um, like but but not like fancy in a stuffy way, but like fancy in like a cool. This is like an, an event, the event of the season, mm-hmm. not something you wanted to miss, but it looked awesome. She Gloria also wears a delightful coat. In she, it. she yes, she looks fabulous. Um, Rose Byrne plays Gloria Steinem, and I think it, I think she does a, a fantastic job. I love Rose Byrne. I think she's a great actress. Um, the first issue of Ms. Magazine has the Hindu goddess Kali on the cover. And um, Gloria makes a joke. I can't remember it exactly. I didn't put it in my notes, but um, she makes a joke about how she looks that way from juggling like kids and career and family. Um, right, she yeah. has, she's crying. She's, she's crying. crying and she has all mm-hmm. these arms. So, um, you know, because like she's being forced to, to juggle all of these things. Um, and, you know, she's she doesn't have a, a really great partner in her marriage. There was uh, an interesting question in that press conference about um, is Gloria worried about alienating people because they're going to talk about abortion right away? Um, And they specifically say stuff about people in middle America. And I wrote in my notes like, you know, people have abortions in middle America. Like it's this isn't strictly a, a coast to coast kind of thing. Like this happens all across the nation. I like it. And I like it. Anytime that someone on either coast thinks that the coast is special or unique in something, like they think that their experience is is so unique because they're on the coast. When really, like we we pretty much have the same situations here in the Midwest. We just don't they're just not talked about or widely publicized or you know, they don't get the attention that they should. Because we're all picket fences and uh, we're all rubes, here. Lauren. We're all just we're all rubes. rubes. <laughs> but Hannah, you're not a rube anymore because now you live on the East Coast. So I'm glad you Can't were able. To, anymore. I'm glad you were able to break free of your rubeness. <laughs> 
I still own it. I still own it. I'm, I know you do. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I do think in that moment when, um, you know, Gloria is being questioned about abortion rights, you know, in, in the unveiling of Ms. Magazine, I, I love the quote where she says, the majority of the people in this country support every woman's right to control her own body. And until we have that right, we can never truly be equal. And that's um, still true today. A majority exactly. of people in this country uh, um, support a woman's right to control her own body. And mm-hmm. that, that was true then, and it's still true today. So I think despite these dark times in which we live, that's always something positive to hold on to is that the majority of Americans believe that this that this is a right that women mm-hmm. women have. Absolutely. Um, and I, I also like that the reporter, who's a man, of course, um, makes the com- says compares Ms. Magazine to Playboy because Ms. Magazine is written like by women for women. And he's like, well, you know, isn't that just the same as Playboy because it's written by men for men? <laughs> and she's like, no. Is it, isn't that like every every newspaper magazine to this point? Right. So um, I just, Gloria handled that just beautifully. Um, and I hope that that was an actual moment from that press conference. I don't actually know. But um, it just seems, it just seems amazing. Um Right off the bat, we we know that um, they mentioned that Gloria wants to put Shirley Chisholm on the next cover of Ms. Magazine. That's important to note because yeah, because um, they visit they revisit that at the end of the episode. But also early on, um, there there's some very palpable tension uh, between Betty Friedan and Gloria Steinem. Um, so Gloria gets on a plane, and I assume she's going to DC. And the uh, flight attendant sits her next to Betty saying, oh, you know, I assume you'd, you want to sit next to Ms. Fernan. And I don't think she does. <laughs> no, you could tell on her face. She does not want to sit next to Betty. She does not want to sit next to Betty. And um, Betty does not want to sit next Betty to Gloria. Betty doesn't want to sit next no. to Gloria. And Although they are in first class, so it's not like they're that close to each other. It's true. They are in first class and they should enjoy it. I've never flown first class. I'm sure it's nice. So regarding the drama between Gloria and Betty, I think it was a little bit underplayed in the show, although I have not watched any other episodes. Maybe. Yeah. I kind of um, wonder if that's something, cause we haven't, I haven't watched ahead either cause we're I going episode by episode, but I wonder mm-hmm. if this is something they will continue to play up. Cause it yeah. certainly is an issue. It really is. And Betty actually, um, is quoted saying in a interview or a speech rather in 1952, um, saying the media tried to make her a celebrity, but no one should mistake her for a leader, uh, regarding Gloria Steinem. Um, and clearly they have, you know, ideological differences, um, and their social contexts are very, very different. Um, but Betty was very much focused on middle-class housewives as she identified as such. Um, she was really concerned with protecting divorced housewives, focusing on, you know, making sure that they had economic rights, um, and were entitled to social security and alimony. Um, so this was sort of her platform for the ERA. Um, whereas Gloria, alimony wouldn't have been taken away under the ERA. (laughs) Unlike what P. Schlaff was P. Schlaff says, yeah, I know. Um, But Gloria, you know, she's young. She's unmarried. Um, Her focus was really on bringing more marginalized folks to the table, like women on welfare and lesbians, a population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A population Betty was convinced would detract and undermine the whole movement. movement. Sure. Well, because all feminists are really just man-hating angry lesbians, right, Anna? 
That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. That's exactly right. That's- we're all, um, we are all the lavender menace. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, it's interesting. why no one, why no one made that into a band? I, I why is that not a, why is that like, not like a lesbian punk band name? Someone could, please do that. It should be. Anna, you, you, you live on in that. the lesbian capital of the world. I, I need you yeah. to get on that. Okay. I'll get on that. Okay. Yes. Yes. We'll feature um, you all on Persistent Brats. Awesome. Awesome. Um, it's interesting because in the HBO documentary that I, um, mentioned earlier, Gloria says that Betty didn't identify down. She always identified up. Um, and so therefore it's this idea that she was, she was leaving certain women out of the movement. Um, so I don't know, the tension between the two is very, very interesting. And I think Betty sort of felt threatened, you know, here she was the mother of feminism. You know, she'd written the famed feminine mystique six years before Gloria entered the scene and she was slowly, but surely become becoming outshined. I wonder if that's something that they will get into, but, um, Anna sent around a really great article, a bustle article about their complex relationship. We will link it in our show notes. Um, but I think that that palpable tension um, is something and, and those issues that you mentioned, Anna, they do um, they are mentioned throughout this episode um, when they when they talk about Phyllis Schlafly and when Gloria is really trying to um, make sure that. Um, reproductive freedom is talked about more both within the Democratic Party platform and the ERA. So um, something that something that else that's mentioned uh, as um, as they're walking down the street, um, Bella Abzug and Gloria Steinem are walking down the street and they're talking about, um, you know, this, this feminist caucus, essentially, that they founded <laughs> and um Bella's quote is just so great. She says, I would love it if people listen to me because I have a pretty face because then I wouldn't have to shout. <laughs> she, was referring, she was referring to the attention that Gloria was getting. Yes. Um, because it really did bother Gloria that, you know, much of her success was attributed to her looks. Yes. Um, and Bella's sort of like, well, you know, what does it matter? People are listening to right. you. <laughs> She's like, well, you have a unique platform that the rest of us don't have because you have a pretty face and this amazing hair and the glasses and all of this stuff. <laughs> And the rest of us kind of, you know, have weird haircuts and look a little frumpy. And <laughs> but the hats, though. The, the hats. hats. Uh, Bella's hats are amazing. Bella's hats are amazing. And I really wish that hat culture would come back because I love a good hat. Um, yeah, maybe maybe persistent broads. Like when we do live episodes, Lauren, maybe we should wear hats. I have a big head, so finding hats is hard. We'll find you a good hat. We'll just have to shop around, but we'll, we'll find it. I have 8,000 baseball caps, though, that are, like, multi- multiple ones. Like, I have one that says Planned Parenthood Makes America Great. See? And there you go. Yeah. And it You've does. Got hats. You've got hats. And it does. Planned Parenthood, in fact, does make America great. So, and I, I just think that that's so, that quote is just so, it harkens back to so many, like, not necessarily feminist, but but sort of feminist of their time. Like, I keep thinking about Anne of Green Gables and how she always said that she'd rather be pretty than smart. And mm-hmm. that quote that Bella said, it, it just took me back to Anne saying that. And it just kind of reminded me that, you know, Anne was also very ahead of her time in terms of of women and um, and their place in the world. So it just made me think of that. Um, but going forward in the episode, they are meeting with the McGovern campaign to talk about abortion rights. And it's not going great. Basically, they want McGovern to come out um, swinging supporting a woman's right to choose and he's afraid to do it 
And he's saying, well, you know, I, I love women. I, I support the ERA. And their argument is, duh, everyone supports the ERA. Nixon supports the ERA. So if you really want to come out um, in support of women, then you will talk about reproductive freedom. And Gloria even writes uh, a little excellent thing for him to say about re reproductive freedom. She said she compares it to their Vietnam. She also talks, I mean, I love, as someone who works in communications and digital, I, I enjoy anything about messaging and learning how we did get the terms that we use today. Um, but she talks about how reproductive freedom is much broader and as such is less scary to people because it will cover um, not only women's reproductive freedoms like birth control and abortion um, and all of that, but also men's reproductive freedoms. Um and trying to use it as sort of like a compromise uh, line. Um, but she also talks about in her in her book, she talks about how Shirley MacLaine, who was like an advisor, Shirley MacLaine, the actress, um, was an advisor to the McGovern campaign. And she was very concerned that this was going that coming out in strong support of abortion rights was going to I believe the word she used was hang like a millstone around uh McGovern's neck and that Nixon would be able to drown him with it. Um, but also like, we don't know because it didn't happen because that old Shirley MacLaine took a literal thing of scissors and cut it out of the plank. Uh, so thank you, Shirley MacLaine. Also, I thought it was really, I thought it was really funny that the guy who's the staffer standing behind McGovern is Gary Hart. And, uh, yeah, it's. I looked it, it up at is, the end. Isn't it? it is Gary Hart. Well, wow. for, my first thought was like, "Wow, oh, that guy looks like a beefy John Mulaney." And then it got to the credits, and I was like, "Wait a second, that was Gary Hart." Oh, and <laughs> Gary Hart turns out to have his own set of troubles. Oh yes, he future. does. Poor Gary. <laughs> um. Oh, Gary. So now we we cut back to Peachlaff, and um, she and her Schlafleyites are all sitting around their living room having their you know, weekly meeting of, I don't, whatever. And they're very concerned about the ERA. And um, they are saying that, you know, oh, I don't know if we can do this and I don't know if it's enough time. And, and Peachlaff is like, no, 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 we can do it. And so she gets these ladies organized um, to make sure that the ERA is defeated in Illinois. And so we show an ex they show an excellent getting it done montage of P. Schlaff and the Schlafleyites making phone calls and sending out letters. And they, um, these women are saying like, well, when am I going to have time to make all these phone calls? Well, can't you put your kids to bed 30 minutes early or better, <laughs> better yet, <laughs> put your husband to bed 30 minutes early? <laughs> Hot <laughs> drink. Yeah. There's one of the interesting things I thought about, um, that was they're basically having a consciousness raising group yes. like the early feminists did. Yes. Absolutely. And they it's so interesting to see how people use the same tactics for different means and how sometimes those tactics go a lot better for some people based on just who they are. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels. It is really interesting. I also I also wrote in my notes, we were rooting for Eugene Triplehorn. We didn't, we we were. didn't want you to be an anti-feminist, but I mean, we could but, have. But she's still going Here along with it for, for, we don't know what reason. She's the spinster sister-in-law and she's still going along with it. I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe she, yeah. maybe she changes. Like maybe she's a character that grows throughout the 
throughout the series, Maybe. you know? I hope so. I, I hope, hope so, so, too. I'm really rooting for her. Um, and this is when we find out that P. Schlaff gets a spot on Donahue. Um, That's right. Which I vaguely remember Donahue being a thing in the early 90s. It was like it was like a Carson type of, like, show. Daytime talk show. So mm-hmm. it was certainly... Um, a great way because I mean it, it was essentially a talk show during the day so it was mostly viewed by women who were like home. Ellen he was like the Ellen of his time although <laughs> I don't think he danced in sneakers and I don't think he was as lively a host so now we cut back to the offices of Ms. Magazine where um, Gloria is arguing with her money guy and she says that they can't uh, he says that they can't put Shirley Chisholm on the cover and that he wants Wonder Woman instead and, and she's like, she's like, you do realize Wonder Woman isn't a real person. Right. Wonder Woman is not real. Um, and then he makes a joke that he gave Gloria her first byline because, quote, I saw her standing outside my office and thought she had great legs. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Um, and again, again, the focus is on her appearance rather than her brains. It's right. It's just disgusting. And so the, the woman that's standing next to Gloria gives Gloria a look and she just kind of shrugs and says he's the money guy. So she kind of she shrugs it off. Um, obviously, this um, it's sexual harassment is what it is. And, you know, oh, yeah. she shrugs it off because that that's what she had to do. He's the money guy. And, and without mm. without him, there would be no Ms. Magazine. So. Yep. Oh. Beyond the um, obviously rampant sexism and sexual harassment that's going on there, I did think it was super interesting that they have in-house daycare at Ms. And they just like let the kids oh, run yeah, around. I forgot about that. And it that. is, it looks like such, number one, like a cool environment because it's Ms. Magazine, but also like super well catered to to mothers who can't find childcare. I would totally yeah. work there and bring Eloise. I think Eloise would have a lot of fun there. She would. She would want to sit at a computer and work, too. But yeah, so Pishlaf then goes on Donahue, and she gives basically her, I don't want to call it like her stump speech, but it's kind of like becoming one, um, because she uses the same points over and over again. I have, like, subject to the draft. It's it's all of the points of our drinking game, which is like, you know, women would be subject to the draft. No more Girl lead, Scouts. No more Girl Scouts. It could Hello, use unisex lead, bathrooms. Yes, unisex bathrooms, which is the... <laughs> the horror. The horror. I'm like, it, I've talked about this before, but like, if you have stalls, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. <laughs> I, I love that, that part when after the Donahue show, he comes up to her and is like, nice job, Phyllis. And then he's like, you know, I'm I'm no politician. But then he questions her stance. He's like, would these things really happen? And she like lets him have it. Mm-hmm. Well, she was she was told her arguments though were totally reaching. Like there was yeah. no, nothing in the ERA that would eliminate Girl Scouts or that would, you know, force bathrooms to become unisex bathrooms or that you know would subject women to the draft. Like none right. of that is in there. She also then talks about communism, which I think is a new point we need to add to the drinking game because it came up a lot. <laughs> this is this is what Schlafly and and a lot of and a lot of advocates um, today on the right do is that they they really harness the power of fear, mm. fear and loathing, as I like to call it. You know, you pick a group to hate and you hate on them, and you perpetuate these fears that are are totally unfounded. You know, right. like the whole bathroom thing. Like, let's make people feel really insecure and unsafe about taking a piss. <laughs> you know, and that's how that's how we'll get people to show up. And that's how we'll get things done. And it's just it's disgusting. 
Oh, so then they go and have they go and have a uh, war room in Phil in Pishlaf's kitchen um, with all the white women talking while the ho- the black housekeeper cooks, and then uh, John Slattery comes in, which also he looks really he looks worse in this episode. Does like is he dying he right before our eyes? Like they took a very <laughs> handsome man and they've just made him look awful. I don't know if they're just like trying to make it so obvious that he's older than than like Kate Blanchett but like man he just looked yeah he looks yikes and then they is this when they draft him into talking for almost so they're they're all sitting around and Pishlav is trying to get the ladies to go to Springfield the following day um to essentially protest the ERA right Pishlav is so visibly frustrated because she's like trying to get these ladies fired up and she's trying to get them to organize to actually do stuff and you know what? They just want to sit around and talk about making bread, which I, as a bread maker, can relate to. It is fun to talk about. It's fun to eat. And it is fun to make. So, um, But at the same time, she's standing She's standing back there, I think, thinking about the bread yeah. and the yep. jam, yep. which we then see when they go to Springfield. Yep. Um, it's pretty freaking amazing because what happens, the, the, the thing that, that sparks this bread is that Pishlaf recruited Fred to go speak in Springfield um, kind of on their behalf. So he's speaking against the ERA, right? And a legislator goes and sits next to Pishlaf and um, he's like, hey, you see all these ladies with uh, with signs who are shouting? He's like, and here you have you and, and Fred. He's like, where's your group? And she says, well, they're, they're at home. You know, they're caring for their homes and their families. And he said... Yeah, but you have all of these other women here. And she's like, oh, well, we're protesting with dignity. We're protesting the right way. And the right way, yeah. And he was like, yeah, and you're losing because right. it, he's like, it's a numbers game. And so she goes back to her, her Schlafleyites and she devises this from, from the bread makers to the bread winners campaign, which I hate but also, it's a pretty amazing idea at kind the same genius. time. It is, it is so insidiously brilliant because, like, bread always wins. Bread oh, bread, and jam. <laughs> so all of these housewives make bread and jam to protest the ERA. And their message is, you know, we want to be at home baking bread. And you guys are the breadwinners. And, um... Like, it's a really amazing campaign to really show show that they are protesting the ERA uh, while you have these other, you know, those women who are for the ERA. They're carrying signs and they're shouting and these other women with their babies are, are passing out bread and jam. And I mean, it's just like I hate it. Like, I, I hate it. But it's so smart. <laughs> so smart and so brilliant. So I, apparently, apparently this was done all around the country, too. Yeah. I mean, and and it's a brilliant, brilliant campaign. And so Phyllis Schlafly really, um, she really took advantage of her group's strengths because, you know, they were all saying, well, I'd be too intimidated to talk to a legislator. It's not that hard, guys. First of all, advocacy, not that hard. I've been doing it my whole life. Legislators are just... Legislators are just people, and sometimes they suck like the rest of us. They um, cook their own meals, and they shovel their driveways, so just like we do, you know. Um, but, you know, instead of actually having to to talk about the ERA, you know, they can just say, well, we don't want our, our daughters drafted while they hand them a, a loaf of bread and jam. Drink. 
drink. Like it's just, it's just freaking amazing. And so all of this gets back to Gloria Steinem and uh, the rest of the persistent broads who are spearheading this ERA movement. And Gloria says that housewives are the last gasp of the patriarchy. They are brainwashed to believe if they don't play the game, they'll lose the love and protection of men. And I think that's there's a very specific piece of that, that like the love and protection of men who are focused on upholding white supremacy, like like these women are very much protected by the veneer of white supremacy and the reason that they are afraid of losing that is because they'll lose the protection of, again, that white, that veneer of white supremacy. And I, it becomes then like a race class solidarity thing that, that these women are not chill with because these are also the same women that after the civil rights movement would have become uh, really invested in being on school boards to change curriculum so that people didn't learn about black history. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a really amazing book called mothers of massive resistance um, about that. And I will stop talking. So Emily, you can talk. Well, I was just going to say, no, I think that was a really good point, Lauren. And I'm really glad you said it. And I, um, Pishlaf also had a quote that essentially agrees with what Gloria Steinem said about housewives. But she said that the institution of marriage is the best deal for women the world has yet devised. So essentially she's agreeing with Gloria Steinem saying that, that these women are are brainwashed to believe that if they don't play the game, they'll lose the love and protection of men. Gloria Steinem is saying that they don't, women don't need the love and protection of men. And Pishlaf is saying, Mm -hmm. actually we do like we have to have it in order to survive. I wrote in my notes that uh, there are stats about life expectancy for women who are married versus single women that would beg to differ about that best deal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lauren, I just love you so much. Um, So Gloria is really upset about this because, you know, Betty Friedan is is relating to these women. Um, These these bread makers saying, you know, they're scared. This is all they've ever known. They're not, you know, they're not trained to go out and get jobs. So they're afraid that they're going to lose everything. And so, you know, we, we need to we need to be patient. And and Gloria is saying, well, how long do we give people to adapt to change? Mm-hmm. And I I kind of feel that because I, I feel that way all the time. How long do how patient do we really need to be with people and how long do we give them to adapt to change? She also had a had a really incredible line that in this she kind of gives like a little a little monologue about this. Um, But one of the pieces is that um, how many more women are going to have to die from botched abortions while we wait for men and by extension, conservative women or people who are who are anti choice to feel comfortable with us having control over our own bodies. And I mean, I think you could extend that to a lot of things like how many people are going to have to die before we get comfortable with sickle pair health care or like gun control you know how yes. many more people have to die until we can enforce gun control yeah how many more school shootings are are going to happen before we actually take action on on guns you know i mean it's it really is it really is the the age-old question you know um what's interesting at least for me is that I I see both where Betty's coming from and where Gloria's coming from. Because on the one hand, yeah, I get frustrated all the time with how long, 
how long do we give people to adapt to change? But at the same time, like, I also understand where Betty's coming from. Like, hey, these women are scared. Like, we just need to be patient and find ways, you know, find messaging to get through to them. And um, so I definitely see both sides there. Right. And Betty's definitely speaking from her own context. Absolutely. Of being a housewife. Yep. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's sort of where that comes from. Yeah. And I think, um, I just, I think that that is, that's such an important scene. Um, as these women are, are discussing the Schlafly-ites and their, um, their bread. I think it, I think it also brings up an, an interesting point about how many factions came together to create the National Women's Caucus and how not, how, I think one of the basic themes of this entire series is that women as a group are not a monolith and that everyone has different ideas and for this moment where a lot of people are kind of on the same side, but not necessarily on the same page and how that sort of friction can both create good things and create bad things. Um, as far as like getting the, they did get the ERA through a lot of state houses. And so it was a very close victory, but then they just kind of got like, there was like a twist at the end because P Schlaff has been, I don't want to use like snake in the, in the weeds, but like, that's kind of what she is. Kind of. Yeah. Well, and this, this discussion is happening at a time where they are trying to elect a spokesperson, like a national spokesperson. And Bella wants Gloria to be that spokesperson. Betty wants Betty to be that spokesperson. Oh, yeah, She's gunning for it hard. She's gunning for it really hard. Gloria does. Gloria walks out. She's like, I don't. I don't want it. You know, she's really pushing reproductive freedom. She's really frustrated and she walks out mm -hmm. and then there's this really poignant, amazing scene where, um, she's in New York and she is approached, uh, by a fan, by a woman. Um, I don't know who looks to be in her thirties, thirties, forties about. Yeah. Like maybe mid to late thirties or early forties. And, um, she wants her to autograph her copy of Ms. Magazine, uh, specifically, on the abortion article and Gloria is all too happy to do it. And, and the abortion article is, is really profound. You know, it's a lot of, um, women who, um, are very well known yes. and, you know, their names are all, all on this article saying, Hey, we've had an abortion too. Um, it's really groundbreaking for its time. Yes. It's a gorgeous spread just of like their names all over. And it's, it's such an interesting piece of solidarity. Mm -hmm. and, and Gloria said that that getting the women to to be public about it was easy. It was getting um, getting men to the print money it. guy. <laughs> yeah. Getting the money guy to print it. That was that was the challenge. And then she asks the the woman if she's told anyone about her abortion. And she said just her husband. And, um, you know, they already had children and money was really tight and they couldn't yep. afford another one. And so she talks about her own. You know, this woman talks about her abortion experience with Gloria um, which really, um, which really, I think, gives Gloria th that that extra boost of confidence that, like, hey, pushing for reproductive freedom is the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think gets her thinking about her own experience, and um, so yeah, that's just a, a really poignant scene. Definitely. And then, and then we revisit Peachlaff. Pishlaf and what she's claiming to be her victory. So the ERA is defeated in Illinois by seven votes. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And P. Schlaff thinks that it's because of her and her Schlaffleyites. Um, and so they are toasting to it. And uh, they're toasting to it in the Schlafly home. And uh, with the six kids, <laughs> the six kids um, and Janine Triplehorn, who is the 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 spinster sister-in-law, um, says that, well, I guess we should we should thank Mayor Daly because there was there was some inside ball going on. There was just some inside politicking that really had nothing to do necessarily with the ERA. But he got seven Democrats to change their vote. And um, P. Schlaff won by a margin of seven. And, and here, P. Schlaff thought it was all her. It right. was all her and her and her and her people. And she just sort of shrugs it off and says, ah, a win's a, a win. A win is a win. <laughs> and she, she's going to continue to credit herself and her Schlaffleyites um, and their bread with this. Um, I do like that uh, Jean Treblehorn's character is like, well, it was by seven votes. Yeah. So I don't saying. know. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure where her loyalties lie. You know, like she has these moments where where she's just kind of poking the bear a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, I don't know if she's doing it just because Peach Laugh's annoying. I mean, if Peach Laugh was my sister-in-law, I feel like I'd God, <laughs> right? Yikes. God. Yikes. I mean, we would not get along for multiple reasons, but like. <laughs> um. Another another important point from the episode, uh, just to harken back to earlier, is that Gloria ended up having to cave um, mm-hmm. on the cover for the next episode. They do go with Wonder Woman instead of Shirley Chisholm. Um, I'm sure we'll learn more about that in the next episode, which is about Shirley Chisholm. Yep. But um, I don't think she was happy to make that decision. Um, so so we, we find that out. And then... Um, we we visit Pishlaf and her husband for the last time in this episode, and she she wants to know how to make how to how to do legal research essentially, and because um, her her husband went to Harvard Harvard Law School, and she she makes the comment, well I was invited to attend Harvard Law School, and so his example was you know you should never use something you should never use something an argument that can can essentially be called out. Um, with any kind of basic research saying, hey, this is wrong. And he said, for example, anyone um, with your background knows you got your master's in 1945 and Harvard didn't start admitting women until five years later. And her response was, well, they would have made an exception for me. And in my notes, I just put hubris. (laughs) Just, I mean, just the arrogance of this woman, like, oh, they would have made an exception for me. Harvard also would have made an exception for me too. That's why I turned Harvard down. It's not true. How do we end this episode? We end this episode with abortion, basically, which I think is a really cool way to do it. Um, Gloria Steinem is tapping around her apartment and she has a flashback to her own abortion. And, um, the doctor gives her two um, two rules that she has to follow if if he's going to perform this abortion. He says, you never tell anyone my name and you will do what you want with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Which is actually the dedication for her book, My Life on the Road. Uh, when she does say his name, but he is dead, so it doesn't matter. So, um, and Gloria goes to... Bella's place and says that she will be the spokesperson 
but only mm-hmm. if they force a vote on abortion on the Democratic convention floor. And that's that's how we end that's where it ends this episode. Yeah. And I thought it was a really cool, powerful ending that that seemed fitting to who Gloria Steinem is as a person. Absolutely. Anna, what are your thoughts as someone who has met Gloria Steinem and and been on a panel with her? Do you think that the episode was fitting? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it really did um, do her as a person justice Um, and certainly, you know, her passion for reproductive issues. You know, that is such a major focus of her life and her activism Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think it was a really, really wonderfully well, I don't know. It was, it was well done for sure. Um, so I'm excited to see where, you know, the show goes and, you know, how they continue to portray Gloria. And I like that they're doing it. Um, each episode is from a different, um, woman's perspective. I really like that because I feel like, um, I feel like this is a story that uh, could easily have been told from one perspective, mm-hmm. but that would really, that would really limit the message that, that, that would really go against the message, I think, of the feminist movement. Well, and I think it underscores, you know, the notion that the feminist movement sort of, you know, what you guys were talking about earlier, you know, there's so many different takes, so many different right. parts, different viewpoints, different people involved. Um, and so I really love that they do have it from a different person's viewpoint each episode. I think also, especially since uh, there is a quite a dearth of of female characters on television that, I mean, the more we can get and the more that can tell their own stories, I think is all for the better. Even when it's Peach Laugh. What? You mean women don't get to tell their own stories? I know. It's, it's, <sighs> it's crazy, Lauren. It's crazy. I don't know where you get that from. <laughs> you know, and that really goes back to why we started this podcast in the first place, because um, it just seems like everywhere you turn, talking about um, talking about politics and various things happening right now within our culture and within our political culture, uh, so often it's from the perspective of dudes. Mm-hmm. And not just dudes, but like white dudes, white dudes in zip up hoodies. <laughs> um, and we started this podcast because we were just tired of hearing dudes speak about our issues. Right. You know, like we we started this podcast because we have some things to say and um, not that not that we're the voice of of every woman, to be sure. But um I hope that this podcast will will get other women to speak about their, you know, share their stories and their experiences and and really make sure that their representatives know where they're coming from, because that's really that's power really does lie with people and their personal narratives. I think it is, uh, you know, important to talk briefly about and maybe you have on other podcasts about where the ERA is at right now. Um, we actually, we sort of mentioned it in the last episode, but we haven't, uh, we haven't gone into very much depth. So if you would like to say some things about it, Anna, please go ahead. Yeah. You know, um, on January 15th, Virginia became the 38th state to ratify the ERA, um, which is the final state needed to make the ERA part of the constitution. Um, so that's really, really exciting, but at the same time it's 2020. So that's. Yeah. And and also we can't have things be be simple right now. 
<laughs> no, no, of course not. So Trump's Attorney General William Barr, um, of course, is arguing that the time for the ratification has expired. It expired in 1979, which seems like a very arbitrary date to me. Um, but the U.S. House of Reps, uh, you know, they approved a bipartisan resolution to remove the ratification date. Um, but of course, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is blocking the vote on the resolution. So what? That, that's where He's we're at. He's blocking right now. votes on I things? honestly don't shocked. know what he I'm does shocked. other than block votes. Like, does he? Do- I don't think he does anything else. No, yeah, I think honestly. that's it. No, they push through judges that are like terrible. Oh, right. right. Judges. That's yeah. it, though. That's really all the Senate does now, though. They don't really do anything else. No. Other no. than other than push through judges like they don't pass legislation anymore. Like when was the last piece of meaningful legislation that the Senate passed? Well, the CARES Act, but that was like a special circumstance. Huh. That was it took it took a global pandemic for the Senate to do their job. Think about oh, that. So scary. It so is scary. I think I think we've reached the point now where we talk about the state of the ladies. How do you how do you feel about the state of the ladies, Lauren? I mean, it doesn't feel good right now. <laughs> It doesn't. That is true. Anna, how do you feel about the state of the ladies? Yeah, it could be better. It could be better. We could have the ERA. But <laughs> that would make it better. <laughs> I I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful for the ladies. I really do. We just have to keep fighting. And so I found this really great, great quote from Bella Abzug. Um, I've spent a lifetime in challenge. There's no way in which you can create any meaningful change unless you do that. So I think that that is a really, a really good point to end on. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We loved having you on. And um, we hope that you will join us for future episodes. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for listening. And remember, it's hard out here for abroad. Persistent Broads is part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are recorded, mixed, and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Thanks for listening.